There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Power Chord Hour podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into another one. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, here with another episode for you. And uh, this one is a continuation of last week's episode 46, where me and my buddy Kyle Steven, you know him from the show, this is his fourth time on. We've talked Green Day, we've talked Blink. We've talked Josers, and uh, now we're talking Boxcar Racer. And uh, last week we talked Side A of the Record. And uh, in true, in true me and Kyle fashion, this bad boy went like four hours long. So it is a two-parter. And uh, if you have not heard the uh, other half yet, go back, check out last week's episode. We do the first half of the record and uh, and released it on Tom DeLonge's birthday as well. And uh, this is part two of that. This is us now getting into the second half of the record and uh, closing thoughts and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, if you, if you don't, if this sounds all new to you, go back, check out the other one. If not, and uh, you remember... All the great fun we had on the last episode, then you were in the right place. And uh, here is the second half me and Kyle Steven talking about the classic boxcar racer record right here. We got side B on the Power Court Hour podcast. I've already kind of got out everything that I've wanted to get out. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll fucking uh, we'll move on to the next one Letters to God. One of my favorites off Part the record. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Actually, okay. yeah. Fuck. I forgot. We have to, we have to uh, say that. Fucking part one. I don't know. I think this is probably one of my favorites on the record, to be honest. And I also, in my opinion, this is kind of the beginning of side B. Like, this to me signifies the second half of the record. This is kind of where it starts for me. I go, this this is the and I ends the first part, and now we're getting into the next part. And I, I actually, this is maybe, it's weird because part of me thinks, it's not that this is a catchy song, but there's still elements where I go, I feel like there's some hooks, like there's a hook and shit to it, but it's still a very dark song, really. Like, it, it may be oh, one of the darkest yeah. songs on the record when you think about it. Well, the way I've always looked at this song, and it's probably not, like, the best way to look at the song, but, like, every time I listen to it, I literally just feel like this song is just, like, like, in a way, it's, like, like with the lyrics and what they're kind of pertaining to, I just feel like it's about a person that like, they really don't want to be dying at this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, and like for me, like I wrote, like this is like a Ava, like, you know, precursor song, like again, um, very, it's, 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 it's a very acoustic heavy song, but there's yes. still like a big distorted bridge that fucking like turns the song around for me. But the acousticness of this song it kind of bores me and because of the way I've always thought of the lyrics about like someone that's really like, they're like on the verge of death, but they don't want to, they don't want to die. Like they rather kind of continue on, but they're like, there's no turning back at that point. Yeah. And like, it's the song was such a bummer to me that like it, I always, I, no matter my mood, I would hear this song listening to it. I'm just like, Oh, this hurts. The song hurts. (laughs) You know what's funny is I don't, even though it is a dark song and I can see why you would look at it that way, 
I don't get that so much. Like I almost feel like okay. it's in a weird way positive, but more from that whole buildup. Like when it really builds up and everything, like I there's something hopeful about the song. Like it like not a good position. It's like someone who's not in a good position, shit's kind of against you, but there is kind of this glimmering hope. Like there's this weird positivity, even though it's a dark fucking song. I don't know that all hope is lost in it, but it's kind of interesting. Okay, see, like, yeah, like, like his songwriting though too. Like, I feel like this song might be like you're talking about, like, like kind of how you're looking at it. I feel like this is where his songwriting he starts to like do interesting things. Like before, before this, I'd say most Blink One Eighty Two songs are pretty autobiographical. Like they're just songs about like like dick lips. Like I got fucking drunk in high school at a basketball game, or like I did this, yeah. I did that. <laughs> These are songs kind of like same where you have one like anesthesia where it's about like a fucking astronaut in space. Like mm-hmm. this is where he starts writing thought songs that aren't just about Tom DeLonge. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I there, think there, there's a concept to the song that's like not entirely about him. Yes. Yes. It's the, the, and I think Maybe, boxcar racer, this is the first time you really see it. Th- yeah, definitely. And you know, I, and I actually, he does it now. I would say it's how he mainly writes. In anything, I mean, yeah. even even Blink, mm-hmm. like after, after uh, you know, I mean, on Untitled, I think he wrote that way on Neighborhoods. Uh, Dogs eating dogs was maybe a little more straightforward. But I mean, that was only a few songs. But Ava, I would say overall, he writes more like that. Goddamn, Hoppus is at it again. Fuck, I say one, <laughs> I say one good thing about Angels and Airwaves, Dude, Son of a bitch. dude, I say one good thing about Angels and Airwaves and that motherfucker. <laughs> oh, boy. I swear to God, I say one fucking good thing. But, you know, yeah. just just getting back to that, it's like I would say, I mean, there's there's probably a few songs that, that, that aren't that, that are more autobiographical. But most Angels and Airwaves songs have nothing to do about Tom's life. They're fucking characters and themes and shit. Like, they're not song. And I think that's why I've never, like, and and I'm still an Ava fan, but I think why it's never resonated the way that Blink did is you can can go, oh, my, you know, like, you can hear a song like Dyson Terry Gary or any other fucking song that's a breakup song or a song about fucking a crush you have or just being a fucking kid or, like, whatever. They're relatable. Like, Blink-182 songs... Mm -hmm are relatable to anyone. Like anyone can relate to those. Whereas I can't really relate to fucking angels. And you know what? I think I brought this point up on our top five fucking songs. And I remember saying something like this, but it just is like those songs don't exist for Ava. Like you can enjoy those songs, but that's not what you listen to, to relate to something. Like if you're feeling down, you don't listen to that to relate. Like there's nothing to relate to about. I'm a fucking spaceman. Do to do like, yeah, it's angels and airwaves has always like been an escape. Yes, I I think uh, yeah I think you're I think you're dead on and there's nothing wrong with that because honestly that's mm-hmm. what that's what I think it's supposed to be like those songs would probably sound weird like imagine imagine this big like arena music like the synth the huge drums the huge guitars like imagine the music of Ava but the songs are about like fucking dogs like to, yeah no. like, like that's no, what no. I mean like imagine a, imagine Tom writing songs like that but with this huge like it's you too if bono was singing about fucking his grandfather 
<laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, think about that. Like, it just would not work. So it's like Angels and Airwaves writing the way he writes. Like that, that makes total sense why he doesn't write the way he does in Blink, you know, like, yeah, like totally. But I, I do think that, uh, this record in particular, but also Letters to God is a good one where, yeah, it's a whole different theme. You know, it's not, it's yeah. not just about a life event or some like specific thing in Tom's life. Like there's more to it. You know, I, I like, even though I don't know that I ever heard the song, the way you, you know, specifically the way you were uh, describing it, that sounds dead yeah. on. Like, that makes total sense and kind of goes well, like, goes with it. Like, uh, like the, the line in the chorus, like, where it's like, I won't lie, I won't sin, maybe I don't want to go, can't you wait, maybe I don't want to go. It's like, it's like, it's like you almost are, you're begging, like, I, I won't lie anymore, I won't sin, I just don't want to go. Like, can, can't you wait? Maybe I don't want to go. Like in my head, it's always like, it's it's kind of like the Grim Reaper. It's like, hey man, your time's your time's up. You got to come with me. And you're like, why? Like, why do I have to go? Like, can't I continue on a little bit longer and just like maybe fix the the bad things that I've done? Like, right yeah. my wrongs. That's how I've always pictured it. So like, I like that. I, it's always like I've always pictured it as like you're ending and there's nothing you can do. But like you you want to you want so much to just hold on for a little bit more yeah that that i that i think makes that makes a lot of sense i mean it's also you know and kind of kind of complimenting with what you're saying even outside of lyrics musically you kind of get that because like when when the whole when the shit hits the fan and the music really comes in like it is kind of that it's resistance against something it's like what you're like really even musically it's kind of doing what you're saying like it's a resistance against something it's fighting against what you don't, you know, it's the inevitable, you don't want it to happen, but just all of a sudden it goes from this really, I don't even know, I want to say peaceful. I mean, the piano part is peaceful, but you still kind of get this eeriness looming over it. Like, you know, something's about to happen and then all of a sudden the shit kicks in and, you know, I, yeah. I think even musically it's kind of doing what you, like what you're saying, which is another part yeah. that I love about the song. I love how, like we said, most of this record, minus like two songs, does this whole thing the whole time. But this one might do it the best, where it's just like it's one second acoustic, and then all of a sudden it just will fucking blow your ears off. Like I've like I don't know mm-hmm. about you, yeah. but I I've had that song really loud on my car stereo before, forgetting that it's going to break in. <laughs> yeah, and it goes from <laughs> yeah. one second like like it's just like nice piano, and then the <laughs> like it's just what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like you just go fucking yeah. deaf. Like it's like holy shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, yeah. fucking. I mean, just just I, great fucking song. Sign. It really is the maturing. I mean, this is this song is really a sign of like you know. And you might hear this originally and go, oh, this is just Tom's side project, so he's doing mature shit. But this is a sign of him just as a musician. Like how much oh, this yeah. album like just changes him. You know. Oh, in that uh, pursuit of tone uh, thing I was talking about earlier, like one of the things he said about the whole boxcar thing was like, it's like, you know, he went off to go do boxcar and like, you know, learned a different way to write songs and this and that. And he's like, when he came back to Blink, it was like I came back from college and I was enlightened. God damn, that's a good, you know what? That is a great fucking way of like putting it. Like that thing where like you were in high school, you go to college, you come back and like you're, you know what I mean? Like that classic thing, like, your friends are different. Every like the the place is the same, but you're different. It will never be the same again. Yeah, 
Like you've mm-hmm. yeah, you've yeah. now lived, you've had that experience, and you you know the the small world you once inhabited and lived in, like the small bubble that you thought like that your high school was the world and that was everything out there, and you now realize that that's mm-hmm. not like you can never go back to it. I think that's yeah. really. That's been the I don't know what you want to call it. I'm not going to say bane of his existence, but it's it's been something he's fought with, I think, his entire career because the people so many of his fans want Tom to be that Tom high school Tom, basically, like you're saying, like going yeah. to your analogy of mm-hmm. high school Tom and college Tom. So many fans want high school Tom. They don't want Tom to go out in the world and learn new things and become a different person and grow and it, yeah. you know, like, like it can really fuck with you, but I think he's always been more where he doesn't want to, like, I think he appreciates the past and what he's done. I don't think he's ashamed of it, but like, like here, here's the difference. Look at what Blink-182 sounds like without Tom. They went right back to trying to sound like their old sound, like they're ripping their old sound off. That's something that Tom never did in the band because whether or not people like the reunion records they didn't go back and try to rehash him of the state or take off your pants and jacket. Like if you listen to it, whether or not you like neighborhoods, whether or not you like dogs eating dogs, like take your opinion out of it. They didn't try to fucking pull out of their ass. Like let's try to sound like we once did. Now they do that now with Skiba. I think, I think Mark doesn't have a problem with that. I think Mark is cool with playing to the old sound, playing to the, you know, kind of older era of the band. Whereas Tom, I think, has had trouble with that. I think Tom is a person who, as an artist, and I respect this really, he'll play those songs. Like, I don't think he's against playing What's My Age Again or Damn It or any of that. He's happy those songs exist, but I don't think he wants to write them anymore. He doesn't want to write Damn It Part 2. Yeah, so like kind of like what what was brought up about the college thing. It's like uh, another analogy is, Oh man, we I, we love these analogies. Every episode, there's at least one. <laughs> Yours are always better, though. And uh, for all we know, the phone might get cut out after after I say this. That cocksucker. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sorry if you're listening, Mark, but this is how I'm seeing it. It's like, every, you know, I just got this last night. Like, you know, there's those people where you you haven't seen them since high school, or you haven't seen them and however many years and they're like, Oh man, you haven't changed since high school. You haven't changed in a decade. You're still the same Kyle. I've always known. And like, yeah, it's nice to hear that because it's like, Oh yeah. You know, like I'm still like sticking to like my core values or like my look, like I found my look and I'm sticking with it. But like, you know, there's things I want to change and I want to you know, adapt and like, you know, pick up and, you know, so like I'm stuck in like, like kind of like oh tom you know tom doesn't want to look like he did 10 years ago he doesn't want to be the guy he was 10 years ago but he'll still acknowledge that that person exists where mark almost was like the guy that's been stuck in his hometown his whole life and wears his varsity letterman jacket at the bar 15 years after he graduated being like i was somebody in high school he's like holding on to that blink youth that like yeah. the nostalgia nineties, early two thousands blink factor and he holds on to that dearly where Tom will acknowledge like, yeah, you know, that was a good time in my life. But I moved on. And it's 
it's one of those things where it's like, you know, which way do you go? Like, which, what do you accept? And like so many people want to like tell Tom, you're the same guy you were 10 years ago. He's like, well, maybe a little bit, but I've definitely changed. And you just want to see me as that naked guy still. And the other thing too, is, I mean, that's even talking in past tense. We're at a point now where that's a guy 20 years ago. Like, you know what I mean? Like you start thinking about like enema of the state. What's my age again is a 21 year old fucking song now. That song's old enough to yeah. fucking drink. He doesn't even have to wish that his friends were 21. That fucking song is old enough to drink. Yeah. Fucking like, but, Which, but I, I think you're right. Like the thing like with Mark and it's like, and for one, I can't believe we didn't get fucking uh, knocked. I can't believe we didn't get disconnected after that. I'm, I'm very surprised. He's waiting. It's the element <laughs> of surprise now. He's just yeah. going to, he's going to fucking wait to do it. But you might be playing Animal Crossing on Twitch right now. <laughs> yeah, you might, you might be right. He, but like, he I, might be busy. Like, what, like what you're saying about him, though, I think is totally right. And like, I and I love Mark, but like, Mark. Yeah, same. I think even like with Plus Forty Four, like post Blink, I think he cared more to have something that that resembled the Blink sound than than Tom did. Tom had less regard yeah. for for making it sound a certain way where I think Mark has cared more about that. And like that. Yeah. That... It's. Oh yeah. Go on. Go on. Oh no, go ahead, dude. You're good. No, no, no. What you're, what you're saying is probably more relevant to what I want to say. Well, fuck. What was I saying? <laughs> I can't remember what <laughs> about, I said. About, about Mark <laughs> more or less choosing to stick with the. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I was, I was, I was kind of building off too, just like what you were saying earlier. Like, yeah, like the kind of, the kind of high school thing. And like, and look at, like, I don't think Plus 44 was a rehash of Blink or anything like that, but I do think if you're going to look at Plus 44 and Ava, yeah. what when your heart stops beating versus We Don't Need to Whisper, when your heart stops beating sounds more like a continuation of Blink. There's more elements in yeah. there that are Blink-like yeah, that are than, yeah. Than, than, yeah, that you'll hear in, in Ava. And, like, I, mm-hmm. I just, I think it does. Like, and the other thing is you were saying, like, which way do you have it? Do you do you stay that way to appease people or do you move on And the fucked up? The thing is, is I don't think either is the right answer. You just go which way you want, because no matter what you do, there's going to be people like me who hear blink now. And I go, they sound too much like they once did. They're trying to rip themselves off. But the flip side mm-hmm. of that is they did neighborhoods and people are like, what the fuck is this? This sounds nothing like oh, yeah. of the state. So you can yeah, never I was definitely, I was definitely not a huge fan of neighborhoods when it came out. Like that was actually probably my transition to like more appreciating, uh, Mark songs over Tom's like the first time ever. And I was like, man, it seems like Tom just wanted to sound like AVA with Mark and Travis where Mark still did a blink sound. And it was a bit more much like it, it had dynamics, like hearts all gone had dynamics of old blink, yeah. but it still sounded like, like a more mature blink. And it seemed like Tom was so focused on doing the flanger, like delay, like, <laughs> you know, stuff. And it just, it didn't fit for Blink at that time. Um, it was a continuation of the self-titled album, but it it took too much of like Tom's Ava experience. And it kind of, for me, it kind of killed that record. No, I, I can see that. And that's where I think a producer would have came in handy because really it's almost like two albums going on there. There's one where oh, like Mark there's is the Mark side and the Tom side. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it is. And there's, there's the one side who's really trying to be like, this is, 
this is like Blink-182 and Ava together or like, you know, what whatever that means, you know, like whatever Tom thought Blink-182 should sound like in 2011. And then there's the Mark side who's like, we're Blink-182, we're not Angels and Airwaves, we're Blink-182, like we're going to, you know, like we should write a certain way, you know. And to be fair, on Neighborhoods, I would say Mark has the better songs. But yeah. at the same time, I do think having Tom the way he was – they didn't try to go back to their old tricks like they did when Tom was out. Like, I think Mark has went full-fledged with that. Where, like, where like including – and, look, I know California at this point, they've put out other shit. But, like, California is a prime example of that, of, like, we're just trying to rewrite the things that people really liked about this band, you know, 20 years ago, basically. Like, which is just so, – Tom, Tom would never I – I will say that. California and anything that sounded like California would never be written if Tom was in the band. That album would that it, no. that album doesn't exist if Tom was in the band. You would never. There, there hear would only like be it. a couple. Yeah, there would only be a couple songs that would like maybe be like brought over, but they probably it'd be one of those things that it probably wouldn't sound the same like at all. Yeah, you're probably right. Like even if they did bring them over, they'd just sound like something totally fucking different. Yeah, but. <laughs> Great segue talking about something that's totally different. My first punk song. <laughs> I mean, this is lyrically, this is some strong shit. I mean, <laughs> this this might be some of Tom's best work. You know, he he really though. I was thinking about it, and he really kind of contradicts himself because he has syphilis, but he also has no dick. Yeah. So he's right. really kind of contradicting himself. And also, how do you contract either of those from eating brownies? I'm also, I don't, because here's the thing, like, and now we're really analyzing the lyrics. When I first heard it, I thought him eating your mom's brownies gave him syphilis and that made him not have a dick. But are these all different things? Is it, I ate ate brownies from your mother, comma, oh no, he does say it gave me syphilis. So what I'm saying is, not obviously brownies gave him syphilis. But did the brownies make him not have a dick? Or is that just something that has nothing to do with that? Are the brownies yeah, why he's he had, dickless? Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe he had no dick before the syphilis and the brownies. And the other thing is, was Mark foreshadowing this on the Mark, Tom, and Travis show at the end of Damn It when he yells out, Tom has no dick, no dick at all, people. Yeah. This yeah. is, <laughs> I mean, I'm connecting the dots here. This is like, this is like yeah. a cold case file. This is fucking... I'm I'm going You're, back here. I'm bringing. I'm connecting it all, dude. I'm dragging yeah, the lake. You, you got, yeah. You got you got sheets of paper with people's faces and notes and <laughs> yeah. red wire connecting everything. What does it all mean? You're basically Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia yes. with Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> what the fuck does it all mean? Where's Tom's but, dick? And what does his yeah. mom's brownies have to do with it? Yeah, it's yeah. Um, the two things I'll just say about this song, besides like how fucking weird the lyrics are, is well, one, I de- I genuinely love like kind of the contradiction contradicting part of the lyrics about the what is with these bands that keep coming with their politics and like that whole line where like goes into like it took the time to listen to me, yeah, I said I fuck your brother, like that whole like line in between all of that, it's, it's so great because line. like it's so good because like it's the exact joke he's saying. It's like, there's so many bands that talk about politics that like, they don't know shit about what they're talking about. And like, and he's not even saying he knows about politics in this song. Like he's, he, yeah, he's been on John Kerry's political campaign years, you know, you know, or like later, but like at this point, 
he no one wants to hear Tom DeLonge speak politics. So even if he yeah. says something there, like he he's saying like no one wants to listen to a band with politics, but you're gonna, you're taking the time to listen to me anyway. Like, so if I said something, it's already there. Yeah. And like what the funny thing about this song is, yes, it's a joke song, but he's also very self-aware. And there's some really smart, like even, even that line about the politics and shit, like this song is a response, like, like really in like some context to it. Like I've heard like this song is kind of his response to people for one, not taking him seriously or taking blink seriously kind of thinking of them as a joke and also not being punk. That's the other thing of calling it my first punk song, kind of, you know, the irony in the name, but same with that. Like, that's what he's singing in that line. Like what you're talking about. It's like, like, yeah, like we don't sing about politics. We don't like, like, yeah, I sang, I fucked your brother. Like that's us. Like this, like, this is me. Like, like you don't like it. Fuck you. Like, like that's it. Like you don't like that. We're the popular thing. You don't like that. We've brought, you know, that like we're a punk band who plays arenas and shit. It's like, no, fuck you. Like, like you're right. And then, and then I'm going to end the song with talking about fucking, you know, the brownies and no dick and shit. Like that's what I'm going to do. Cause I'm Tom DeLonge yeah. and fuck you, you know? But also, but also with this, the, the irony with it being called my first punk song is that I honestly feel like this is like one of the first, like true, like punk rock songs that Tom has written since probably like enthused or degenerate. <laughs> It's a it's one of his most punk songs. It's probably the most punk song on this record. It's easily the fastest. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely it's definitely the fastest. Probably one of the most punks. But like I I wrote that like my first punk song. That's the truth for Tom probably, <laughs> or like or like a hardcore punk rock song. Like it's there's so much irony in it, but like it's also there's there's some truth there because like it really sounds like like probably one of like if you ask anyone like hey. If you told someone, hey, listen to this song. It's called My First Punk Song. It's from Tom DeLonge. How punk do you think this song is? Just by listening to it. If they just listen to it, not even knowing what the lyrics were, they'd be like, yeah, that's probably the most punk thing Tom has written. When you're talking to like a cliche point of view of what punk is, yeah, this might be it. So like, I was listening to Dude Ranch earlier today at work, and, uh, and some songs popped up. I'm like, man degenerate like that's a good like even though it's kind of slow in the beginning and but the choruses pick up oh it gets fast like, as fuck in those choruses that, yeah it's like super fast and like even his like lyrical delivery is super fast but then also like and like enthused like the whole like guitar riff that he like kind of strings in before he gets into the verses like i was like man like when was the last time tom wrote a punk song since these songs and i thought about it and i was like i added it to my notes that's Probably my first punk song is literal. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good fucking observation, actually. I like. I, yeah. And the other thing too, like the funny thing is, even though it's it's like jokey and a joke song, musically, like this is a great nod to like eighties hardcore punk. Like like if, mm-hmm. if you just yeah. as an instrumental, this like fits in. Like like, and I actually wrote this. Funny enough, like as I as I keep talking about it, like how he talks about it, like this is an ode to post hardcore and all these punk bands and stuff. This song might be the best representation of the bands he was trying to do an ode for. Like like instrumentally, mm-hmm. obviously not lyrically, but like instrumentally, this fits in with all those fucking eighties punk bands and stuff that he's like talking about and like his love and like influenced him. Like musically, 
fucking right on, like right on the spot with it. I mean, from mm-hmm. the feedback in the beginning, even like I love the distortion on his voice, like where the like there's almost too much gain on the mic, and it's like you know, you know, like when you listen to his vocals on it, there is a little distortion, like not like an effect so much, but like the gain on the mic is up too much, and he's just fucking overpowering it, like it's peaking, like it's peaking at times. You can like hear it, yeah, like and it's just fucking raw, like it's just. It's raw. It's fucking. There ain't a whole lot of production there. Travis kills it. I mean, Travis drums on that fucking mm-hmm. one. So goddamn good. Just at breakneck speeds, you know. But like, really, like a re- like even though a jokey song, like you were saying, like lyrics actually do have a little bit to sit. Like there is some meaning there. Like it's more self-aware than most joke songs that Tom's ever written. Like I would mm-hmm. say this might be his most like. Like, the fact that there's a little, you know, I want to say, like, oh, this is secretly the most meaningful song on the record. But you know what I mean? Like, we're talking about, like, there is more there yeah. than you would think for a song whose yeah. closing line is, I got no dick. Fuck yeah. And actually, that I was about to say that, dude. Yeah. It's not even the closing <laughs> line. It's fuck yeah, really far away from a mic. I love yeah. that how it's just like just far. He's like in the other room almost. It sounds like he's walking away from the mic after finishing the song and just yelling "fuck yeah" as he's leaving the vocal booth. Yeah, yeah. Great, great <laughs> fucking song. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about it. This is this is like with Insomniac where we talked about it like four times longer than the album. We've talked about yeah, this that's... song. Like you could have listened to my first punk song like ten times at this point, <laughs> but, but I mean, any closing remarks on it? I mean, it's a great fucking song. No, no closing remarks. But I would say, oddly enough, with the speed of this song, I genuinely love the transition from here to sorrow. It is, you know, what it's a really good one. And the other thing is, it shows, it, you know, even though it's not a Blink record, it does what Blink does. Where look at this for a second. You go. You go from a song like like Letters to God and then you have a song like My First Punk Song and then you go into Sorrow. And it's that thing where we can we can sing a song, you know, I mean it kind of reminds me of like Enema of the State where you have where you have these songs where like funny song, it it's a silly song, and then you get to like Adam's song. Like something like mm-hmm. that where it's like yeah. we there's really a range there, but they all fit together. Yeah. Like like everything works really fucking well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, going into Sorrow, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this song. I don't hate, I don't hate any songs on this record. I, I do love this whole record, but this may be my least favorite song. Like, I don't think it's bad. It's not a bad song, but it's just not my favorite. Like, I just, I, I could, I don't think I would cry if it wasn't on the record. Like, like how do you feel about this song? Uh, I like it. Um, it. It was my instant like thought and like relation to this song, it was, it was kind of like that big breakup song that I used during like one of my relationships. So that's the first thing that always comes to mind when I think of this song. Cause this was like kind of like in that rotation. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I would say on this, just for this album, this is the most blink self-titled untitled album, a uh, song on this album. Most self-titled, untitled song on this album. This song. I think I think you're right about that, and I think I I would say it sounds most like untitled, but I also do think there's a little take off your pants in it. I think it sounds more like untitled, but I don't think it sounds too unlike take off your pants and jacket either. Like like this is one of those songs where I go, could this be 
like I was talking about earlier, I wonder if any of these songs, because I know this was kind of a reaction to him having songs that wouldn't fit on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, like writing heavier, darker songs. I could see this as starting as a song that maybe was written for Blink, that he's just like, it wouldn't work on this. Like, I really could have saw it as something that maybe started, like, during those sessions of writing Take Off Your Pants and then evolved from there and became a boxcar racer song. Like, that really at wouldn't least, surprise like, me. I can at least picture, like, the like the, the intro, like the guitar. Like, That's like the that, part that, that really intro. makes me, yeah, that, really makes me think that, of that. I can, picture, I can picture that as, like, a, a takeoff, like, type of riff, that, like, where it started. Uh, but yeah, it, I don't know where it could have gone because I'd assume probably by self-titled if this song was starting back then, if it were to get to self-titled with Mark's influence, it might've been something a little bit different. Um, this is one at that point, this is one too, like you saying, like how, how it is a very like, uh, untitled like blink song. I mean, really, this is another one where you listen to those choruses. This was made for Mark to harmonize with him in those choruses. Mm-hmm. He yeah. should be yep. singing that with Tom. Like, that is a Blink-182 chorus. That holding out, I'm sorry. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. so Blink-182. Like, that, and look at he's half of Blink-182. So, it's like, obviously, you're going to have that sound in this. But, I mean, that is very a Blink-like thing, that chorus. is yeah. very fucking yeah, Blink-like. It, you can put the two together very well with this song, and it, it'd be totally fine. Now, do you hear this at all? One one reason why I don't think I'm as into this song, there are elements of it that I feel like this is a more slowed down all systems go. I feel like the verses kind of have a similar vibe, and there's a couple other parts of it where I feel like it's a lot like all systems go. Maybe not entirely rehashed, but there's enough there where I can compare them, and I'm like... I like all systems go more, and albums you do know that what it, sometimes. Well, you know what might what it might be to even start is now that I'm thinking about it in my head, and because I just played it on guitar earlier, and I could be wrong, but I think the the verse, the guitar riff for this song, is very similar to All Systems Go. I think it is, that is the part where because it's not so much the choruses; it's really the verses that are yeah a lot more. The guitar and even the way that Travis Travis just that's another one where he's just playing a very straight fucking drum beat and he's kind of playing the same like they're both kind of mid tempo and it's kind of that build up into the big chorus like like I don't know like I think something I noticed when analyzing this album I think by the end of it I wasn't as in, because there's a couple things they do with that like the sound dynamics and shit where they do it so much that it's not as impressive later on in the album. Because I go... Oh, like the, like the slow to big, slow yeah, to big. Yeah, like, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, by this song, I'm expecting it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, by the time that's, we're that's, at Sorrow, mm-hmm. you know it's going to happen. Like, even though it starts off quiet, you know this song's going to blow up into something. That's why I like yeah. Elevator. Because Elevator, at that point, you go, where the fuck's <laughs> it going to go? Like, it's going to blow up here, and it never does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I I think that's the thing with sorrow. It's not a bad song. Like, I do like this song. It's just, I think at this point, I go. It sounds very blinkish, and I think it also has a lot of the same fucking like uh, uh, characteristics of like the other songs on this record. That I just go. It's not a bad song, but it's not blowing my dick off like some of these other ones. Like some songs on this gotcha. record, they hit you and you just go, Jesus Christ! Like this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And this one, I'm just yeah. like, you know, it's good. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, like like anything else for sorrow. I mean, you got any more uh, remarks for it? No, like uh, like you said, like that was the other thing I was going to add was just like at this point, like the the slow build verse to the big courses and stuff like that. You know, it's coming. like you know what's coming, and it's not that it's bad by any means. It's just like oh, like that's that's the formula for a boxcar song. Like the 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 basic generic formula does that, and they do that here. It's not bad. It's just. It's kind of, that's what it is. Well, if we can bring Tim Armstrong back into things for a second, um, <laughs> I love an outcome, the wolves, but that is like a, I forget how many songs are on that fucking out. Al- that's a long album. And it's one of those yeah. ones where when you get to that end of the record, there's a handful of songs where they're not bad songs, but it's just a lot of the same of what you already heard for the first like 10 or 12 songs that you're just like, these aren't bad, but you're not giving me anything different. Yeah. It's- Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah, I mean, that that would be my thing with that. Going into there is though, I think I think this one's this one's different. I have some different shit for it. For one, I think okay. th- this is a strong single. I think this this was oh, smart yeah. to be put. Oh, yeah. Like this this, and that's what I'm saying. Like I feel because this was on this this was released on uh fucking MCA or whatever. Like this was on Blink's label, and like I feel like. Even though, like, not every song, you know, like, I think they did let them do what Tom wanted to do in his vision, but there is a part of me that goes, I think he had to have a song like There Is on here for them to really push this, give it any kind of promotion and release it. Like, this is this is a song to sell the record, you know? Like, it's not my first punk song or Letters to God or Tiny Voices or All Systems Go. It, I would say it's this song, and I mean, obviously, I feel so as well. But really, this one of having like th- like this doesn't sound like the rest of the record. Like I like this no. is a good well, song, but it sounds nothing like the rest of the fucking record. Well, here's a, here's, and I don't know if you thought about this. And once you do, it's it may kind of blow your mind because it kind of did to me. Oh, blow my so, fucking mind, dude! I don't know if I, I don't know if it will, but it might. This song is technically the only all acoustic song on this album. Oddly enough. Yeah, you're fucking right. No, you're right. Everything else. Well, if it starts with an acoustic, it usually builds up to something big. Letters to God. Letters to God. One of the heaviest song, one of the biggest fucking buildup starts with just acoustic. Mm -hmm. Fuck. You're right, dude. You know, like, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of acoustic in this record, like either like on bridges or, you know, intros, this and that, this is the only song that's straight acoustic the entire time. Yeah. You're, you know what? And you are right. Like, like I never realized until going back to analyze it, but there is acoustic guitar all over this record, like including in bridges and shit like that. Like Mm -hmm. there's tons of it, but yeah, this is, it's the only one and it's, and it kind of. I have to give it credit because like I was just saying, one of my bitches at this point is like by the end of the album, you're like every song has the same dynamic where like you said with this one, this shit's just acoustic and never goes like, this is just a love song. Like you go from all these different songs, they go totally left. I mean, it's kind of like green day with good riddance where they go totally the opposite way of where you think they'd go. They're like, well, we could write, we could go really heavy, but instead now we just do an entire Fucking, it's like a, a love song. It's just a straight up, because this goes back to that. Like we were talking about like Tom writing less autobiographical and writing more like fucking themes and stories and stuff. This is more like old school Tom. This is a, this oh, is yeah, just a love man. song. There's no, there's nothing to decipher here. You know what the fuck it's about. It's extremely relatable. Like 
you oh, know, yeah. there, there's nothing to pick apart here in that sense. Yeah. And even like with this, like a, a thing that we touched on earlier, but we, I'll bring it back for a second. Travis literally just does like the same, like marching snare beat, like this entire time. Yet it's one and of the most important like, parts. It's, it's Yeah. It's the like, driving part it, of the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- there's nothing super unique about the song. It's an acoustic song with a basic drum. But for some reason, the simplicity of it is it's, it, it just is perfect. And I don't mean it, it's like, it's the perfect song, but it's like what they're doing in this song. There's really not much you could do to add or take away without messing with the song. Now here's a question for you. And I guess, before I ask you the question, the first one would be, could you see this as a Blink-182 song? Uh, if, if it was, it would be one of those, like, take off your pants and jacket acoustic a B-side? sides. Okay. But, but I, would, I, I, I wouldn't, it, it, it just doesn't sound bad, but I wouldn't wish this on this song. Okay, now, but, okay, here's an interesting question. You just threw a fucking monkey wrench in my thing. But in a good way. Okay, well, say, no, because you, okay. you're making me think about it. The, the fate of this would fall in to end up being a take off your pants and jacket B-side. And this is why you're getting me to change. My question was going to be, do you think this song would have had a better fate as a Blink-182 song because more eyes would have been on it? I think this would have been a huge fucking single that could have been as big as like I Miss You or all the small. Like I truly think it could yeah, have been it, a song that size. But here's the thing. Now that you say it, I don't know that it would have met a fate that was different than this is a bonus track on a limited CD. I don't know. Um, that. Like, in reality, in reality, I think you would be right. If it was a Blink-182 song, I don't know that it would be the big song I think it is. I think the more realistic thing would have been it would have become a fan favorite. It would have been a cult classic, like fucking, uh, like the acoustic one on fucking Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, the... Uh, the, uh, the what went wrong? Yeah, what went wrong? Like that, where it's like it's a fan yeah. favorite, but most people don't know that fucking song. I uh, think it probably would have met that fate. I think any, any like so at least as far as I feel so, and there is being the hits, they would have been bigger if they were Blink songs. Um, but where would you put there is say like on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket if you didn't want it to be a a B-side, I don't think it fits anywhere. Yeah, I th- but, and like, see, same- see, when I have to start thinking about it, that's why you have me change my mind, because if I have to think of the placement, it's going in the bonus tracks. Yeah, but it it, de- it deserves to be a hit. What you would almost have to do would be like kind of how they did it with, uh, with uh, the Mark Tom and Travis show, is that they had Man Overboard as the only studio recorded song, and yeah. they made that a hit. That's the only way I can see this being a blink hit that would help it get the recognition that it probably would deserve. But to, for them to have this song in their discography, where would you put it to make it a hit? I, I don't really know. Let me play the hypothetical game even more, though. Now I'm thinking about it. Okay. Now, I don't know that the song would be bigger in this. I'm not saying it as the song would be bigger. But I think I could see this. I keep thinking of it as a Blink song. I can almost see this as an Ava song if they threw more layers on it. I think there would be more, there would be added shit to this song 
but I could almost see this as an Ava song, more like We Don't Need to Whisper era. I could see it kind of in that era if you added things. And kind of like production-wise, like I think there would maybe be strings. I think you would maybe hear strings on it. Maybe a little, I don't know. Synth maybe isn't the answer. Maybe piano. But like, I think they would change it up. And maybe it's easier to hear that because they obviously covered that song live. But Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe as an Ava song. But then again, maybe this is just me in my own head. Like I said, one of the things listening to this album is I can't help myself but go, you know, try to categorize it in in either Ava or Blink. So maybe that's just my problem too, you know. You know what I would do though? If if this was a blink hit, but I had to eliminate another song from Blink that would be a hit, it would be I Miss You. I would replace yes. this with I Miss You. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think I don't think I Miss You is really like it, it's an alright song. I don't think it's the hit that it became. It, no, it, no, I, I don't get it, it either. I, I don't get it. It's I mean, it's it's an interesting song kind of but like if this was if there is replaced i miss you as a hit this is a better song than i miss you and maybe maybe it's because we've just heard i miss you been bashed in the ground because it's such a big song like and it's a meme (laughs) yeah like but but it's it's the same thing like i like i'll listen to blink when you two singles but i miss you and all the small things are two songs i skip i'm sorry i skip those songs yeah i can skip i miss you they're not Anytime. bad songs. You've just heard them too many fucking times. So it's like I yeah. wonder part of me does think that where I go, maybe that's why we think they're it we hold in such higher regard because it hasn't been bashed over our fucking heads like I miss you has been. But I do think if it was gonna replace a single, that is the one. That would be the one mm-hmm. it replaces. Yeah. Like yeah, and like and like you said before, like kind of going off of that like derailing off of that but going back to something you said uh, like this just being like a straight up like love song like there were so many people that i knew like couples and i will throw myself in that because i was a part of it that like this was our song like every couple young couple has their song that's like that's mine and yours because we love each other like this this was that kind of song for so many people including me and i remember uh I was in the middle of making a mixtape, like actual tape on cassette. Fuck yes. And and I wanted to get this song on the mixtape. And I didn't really know how to do that because the way I would make mixtapes would just be like, wait for a song on the radio or like play the CD and then hit play and record on the cassette at the same time. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know what happened. I think I lost the CD at some point by like, probably about like, I think it was sophomore or junior year, the CD got stolen from from me. And so I remember waking up on a random school night at two o'clock in the morning, listening to music. And literally like I had my cassette in there and like, I hear there is my boxcar racer. And I just woke up and hit play record. (laughs) And I got the most clear static free, like cassette radio recording of there is. (laughs) And that's not I, easy either most, sometimes. No, it was the most mind blowing thing. Like I literally just woke up and I hear box. Uh, there is my boxcar racer. And I'm like, what click? And it just <laughs> was the cleanest thing ever. So like, that's like a favorite memory of mine of this song was just like 
my love song with my girlfriend at the time. And then I'm making a mixtape and like, lo and behold, it was just like perfect timing. And it, the clearest thing ever. I mean, honestly, this is like, like those Delilah radio shows where like, I want to send this out to someone like this kind of is the one, like, even though it's not that big song, this is kind of the one you would, you would send out on like a fucking radio station. Like I fucking admit like so-and-so I miss you. I wish you didn't live wherever you fucking moved to like, Young love, yeah, right. like this is the song you send out to that fucking girl who fucking mm-hmm. moved away after high school or some shit. Like it is, yeah. it is definitely <laughs> that, you know. Which is what I mean. It's like I don't know. Like the song doesn't get that doesn't get that status, and I think it's only because even though once again, Boxcar Racer wasn't really a flop by any means. It just never no, was, was as big. So it's like mainstream doesn't really know about, it and you don't hear these songs on radio or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it, if I, if it's between I feel so and there is I've definitely heard there is more on the radio, but it's still like few and far between. I think I did hear it in American Eagle once. <laughs> I <laughs> not that I was shopping there because that actually American Eagle is some Joser shit. <laughs> but uh, I was in there with my cousin, I think, and like they would play music videos on their fucking thing, and like I do remember seeing. Fucking there is, and they were playing in there. And I was probably also singing along to it as I walked through the fucking store. Like, they got that. <laughs> they'll have, like, they'll have, like, Mayday Parade. and Oh, fuck yeah, Jamie all over. Yellow, yellow card and <laughs> all the classics. The, the, the one. They'll have the one. By... <laughs> oh, oh, my boy. God, dude. That, 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 that takes it back. But, yeah, this fucking... It's a good song, but before we go on, like, I don't know. This is a weird thing. I really like this song, but I don't think the album would suffer it if it wasn't on here. And I don't mean this as what a quality. Yes, and I don't mean it as a okay. quality of the song. Here's what I mean. It's just so different from the rest of the album that I don't think it would sound weird if the song. Do you, see, do you get what I'm saying? If the song doesn't yeah. exist and it just went from fucking sorrow into the end of the world. Or, or the end with you, I don't think it would sound weird. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a song yeah. that I think is important in that way. That's that's why I'm like, I don't know. Because I ultimately want to say it would have had a better fate as a Blink song. But the way you're making me think now, it, it's just wishful thinking. Because I go, sure, maybe yeah. it would fit better in Blink. But where would it fit? Yeah, that, that's the problem. Is It would be a better release as a Blink song, but there's no home for it. Yeah, see, and that's why you're here. This is why you're here, dude, because you get me. I get these fucking pipe dreams and these visions of grandeur, and you fucking bring me back to the ground. You go like, nah, motherfucker. Like, you pull me back. You pull me back to the I'm ground, your, dude. I'm, I'm your Jerry Finn when you start going off the rails. <laughs> you're my Jerry I, Finn, I really dude. get back in. I'm Tom. I'm Tom in the Start the Machine documentary, just being batshit crazy. Just like, this is the greatest thing anyone's heard. I've written the greatest album of all time. Rock music and, and is I'm about to change. Band being like, I'm the rest of the band being like, hey, you know, it's cool we think these things. Just don't tell everyone. Maybe chill on that. Maybe chill on the we're about to revolutionize the world. I mean, it's his, it's the birthday boy. We're not going to talk shit on him, and he's a hero of no. mine. But. But it is funny when you look back at some of the crazy – and to be fair, he was addicted to painkillers, and I think that's why he oh. talked that way back then. But it is funny oh, to yeah, look absolutely. back. Look at the press he did when Blink broke up and Ava was starting. He was saying oh he God. was changing. Was- Music was being changed forever. 
Oh yeah, he said it was like the biggest thing since Jesus, and Jesus came down and wrote half the record. Uh, you can walk on water if you believe you can. We, we are going to be the biggest rock act in rock act in twenty years. Like Jesus like, co-wrote the adventure. Thing. Yeah, like, and th- I have the Sarkin Machine documentary, and I watch it on the. Oh, he's fucking crazy in that. One, yeah, one of my favorite things about that is like Adam Willard is like. Adam and David are sitting there and he like, we're not telling you to be like, dude, don't fucking say that. But like, you know what? It's cool to think that just don't tell press about it. You're in a weird spot too, because the person doing it is the biggest guy in the band. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's hard to tell him to shut the, if, if Adam Willard was doing press like that, they'd kick him out of the band. He just wouldn't be there yeah. next time. Like, dude, don't do that. It's very hard when it's Tom DeLong, when it's the guy from Blink-182 yeah. doing it. Like, cause it's the other thing with boxcar racer. Um, not, not that they were around as long, but something that I read today when I was like researching shit, a couple people were like reviewing the live shows in the beginning. And I think it got better, but like apparently some of the first like boxcar racer live shows, David and Anthony were like frozen on stage, didn't move and didn't really yeah, mm-hmm. do shit Yeah, because all eyes are on Tom and Travis. Like, you know what I mean? Like everyone's there for them. So you're put in this position where like, yeah, it's hard when that's the guy who's saying these crazy I, things, you know, cause what I, do you do? You can't kick them out. Yeah. I don't remember if I just recently heard it while doing this research or read it, but there was something said about they were told not to move around. I think it was oh, shit, they were the, told. Okay. From the, uh, from the, uh, the label to not move around so much because this is kind of Tom and Travis's thing because they're in, they're the big centerpieces of the band. That sounds like major so, label shit too. That does sound like something yeah. like some dudes from like an A&R department or something be like, like really this project is kind of Tom and Travis are really like the thing we're marketing here. So like, you know, like you're here, but like, you're not the main like attraction, yeah. like that kind of bullshit. Yeah. You're, you're in the band, but like, you're not in the band. You're in the band, but please go hide behind that stack of cat, that fucking, that full yeah. stack over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I know, like, kind of getting back to this song, just there is, like, it, it, I can, I can, I can take it off the album and listen to this album and not miss it, but I, I think it does have its place. Oh, yeah. And I wouldn't want it, like, like, I like the hypothetical thing because I think it's interesting to, like, Oh, just it's talk about, about that, yeah. but it is like, I wouldn't want it off. Like I don't, I don't want to misconstrue it in a way. Cause there, cause like last time we were talking like with insomniac, there are a few songs on insomniac where I don't hate them, but I'm like, I could do without them. They don't need to be on here. Whereas this yeah. one, like in those songs, I'm just whatever. Like those could just be green day B sides or just outtakes or whatever. I don't think they need to be on another album. They could just exist fucking on a, on an outtakes album or something. Whereas this song I want it just to exist somewhere else. That's it. Like, I love this song so much that I'm like, it should really exist somewhere where it's as big. It should be, it should exist somewhere where it gets so big that I finally resent it at some point. Like I do. I miss you and all the small things. It deserves to be that big that I eventually resent it is what I'm saying. <laughs> what, 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 what I do find interesting on it actually. And I just thought, kind of thought about this over the last couple of minutes is that like, I mean, it could have even done well if it was just released as a stand, like a standalone single with no album attached to it, even though that wasn't really a big thing at the time. That's what I was going to say. Like, the you know, era kind of fucks them on that. 
Yeah, artists do that now where they'll just release a random like song that ends up not even on like an album. It's just a, because the way music is these days, like record sales are super low. So like you can release just singles and singles before you release an album. Dude, and you're spot on you with this. Album, you're fucking yeah, spot on maybe, on that because a different yeah, era, like, like at the time, mm-hmm. yeah, people didn't do that. You didn't release singles that way. Like it was a fucking full length. Like it's on the full length album, but you're totally right. If they... If they existed, if this existed like in modern day or whatever, yeah, this would be just a single. This would be a standalone fucking single. And you're right. People do that all the time. Like, it wouldn't be weird or anything. Yeah, they'll do like between album cycles just to keep people like reminded of the band. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's the norm. I mean, how many bands just put out singles and EPs before they ever put a full length out? Like, that shit's changed so much in the years that this has come out, which to be fair, like we were saying the other day when we were, when we were texting, it's like this fucker's almost 20 years old. So yeah, you yeah. know, definitely a different model back then. Yeah. Even, fo- even honestly, I don't think it'd be on a major label. Now, if this came out, this would just be a self-release thing that Tom did on fucking to the stars or something like this wouldn't even oh, yeah. be on a major label after a certain, you know, after like 2010, this would not have been on a major label. No, definitely not. I was thinking like, yeah, if this album came out, if this album came out 10 years later, there is probably has a better shot of like, if it say, if it remained boxcar racer and never did the hypothetical bling thing, if this came out 10 years later as a standalone single or something, I think it would have been all over the place. And to be fair, I still think it would be big. Like it's not a dated song where I think it would have only been big in 2002. I think that song would be big now. No, and like another great thing about this whole record is that it just it doesn't date itself. It re- dude, you you are right about that, and it's funny because one going back to that where it's like it's kind of an ode to an era and a time and place. It doesn't sound like it though. Like even though a lot of the yeah. bands that it's influenced by are like late eighties, early nineties, it's not like they went in and that's why they had a good producer. They didn't have someone who went in and made it sound really fucking dated. It's like they had someone who was really good, understood the vision they had but also made it sound really clean and crisp and like really mm-hmm. well done, you know, so like not dated or anything like that. I mean, he's just such a good, you know, just such a good fucking producer. I mean, I can't, I can't say good enough yeah. uh, shit about Jerry, but yeah, fucking, uh, there is, I don't know. Great, great song. And, uh, yeah, I think standalone too. Like, like, like I, I don't know. I don't know that it would have had a different fucking, uh, you know, future, but I definitely think, it uh, should have been bigger, but I mean, any any yeah. closing ones on that before we get on to the next one? We're getting nope. we're getting towards the end here. We're getting towards fucking home plate. Um, yeah, well, I'm we're rounding third. Fucking rounding third. I mean, one's even just an instrumental. So I mean, we're fucking we're yeah. we're get. Which actually, I do have some <laughs> I do have some things to say about that instrumental. We'll get to. I have two things to say about that, and that's really about it. <laughs> I think Mark will smile with what I have to say. Well, I I, I don't know if it's that good, <laughs> but uh. But the next one though, the end with you. This this one, I'm I'm interested to hear what you have to say. This one to me is just kind of like sorrow, though. I got to be honest. I like this song, but it's just whatever. Like at this point, it's a lot like sorrow, where it's like a lot of the same dynamics. It's a lot of what we've been hearing on this album. Once again, not a bad song. It's it's not bad, but by this point. It's just not blowing my mind. It's just not doing anything extra. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no like elevator has some nice things where it like gets me at the end where I'm like, there's some nice surprise on it. This song, there's just not. It's just kind of a lot of what we've already heard. Yeah, it's uh, 
the first thing I wrote for this is I always forget this song. <laughs> yeah, see that that's how I feel. Like, you just and, kind of forget and I don't about hate it. The song. No, not yeah, at all. It's, it's just one of those things like it pops up I'm like, "Oh yeah." And it's I guess part of it for me is like again, this is how I interpret the song and why it kind of like one of those like, "Eh, it's easy to forget for me." Is that I feel like this song is very much like Tom like probably either in his worst or in like the mild road to maybe potential recovery of his back surgery and his back pain. Mm-hmm. Cause like all I think about with this song is just like literally just him in pain trying to like find a way to get out of it. And yes, there's the cliche line that's like, there are no useful drugs to escape from feeling uh, uh, numb. Like I remember amazing birthday. I remember when I was young, like all I think of is that like, he's so like he's in so much pain and he's so fucked up that like he's numb to the yeah i see see what you're saying yeah oh sorry it's weird i thought my phone completely disconnected for a second Um, that's why i stopped talking um but no like it just like that line just makes it seem like um he's in so much pain and he's numb that he needs he wants drugs to no longer be numb which is like a terrible thought process in my in my head. I mean, so you're like, kind of right because that era that this would be the right era for that. He would probably still yeah, be because, on fucking like in the midst of his probably addiction, really. Exactly, exactly. Because I remember shortly after this, like, I think he was walking around with a cane for a while because wow. he had back surgery. And I remember seeing like I think it's at like one of the Teen Choice Award things or something like that, where he has like a cane in hand. <laughs> For his back and i just like i remember like seeing that and then like reading these lyrics and i'm just like oh, i just feel so bad for the guy god i never so, thought like, of it like he, that like lyric wise so i never I hear, thought of it yeah so when i hear the song it just it makes me feel like he just he just needs he wants to find an escape and he doesn't know what to do i could i could see that because this is this is one where like even though i've never thought of the uh pill part of it the lyrics are more autobiographical. This goes back to kind of the more old school Tom way. Like it sounds like what he's singing about is, I mean, obviously he is he's singing about his own life. You know, like this goes back yeah. to that. It's not really a abstract kind of thing or weird kind of like he, he he's singing about life. He's singing about himself. Um, I will like the choruses. I will say those kind of remind me of Ava, but like really and yeah. lyrically too. Like I like the lyrics. Like overall, like I, I like the lyrics, and I think they're another foreshadow. The cor- the chorus sounds like Ava, and I think the lyrics just overall are kind of Ava. Like I, I think they yeah. kind of fit with what came later. What I will say though about this song, and I really I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention, but the last few times I was listening to it, goddamn, I guess it doesn't rip it off because it's before this, but he just basically recycled the guitar on this for Easy Target. Go listen to the bridge of this song. It's the same fucking guitar riff as Easy Target. And he does it a couple other times in it. Like, even the effects on it. Like, oh, everything yeah, about that, that it is, is fucking close. Easy Target. That is pretty close. Oh, my God. Like, huh. I, I never knows it before. I'm like, this is just Easy fucking Target, which is the other way around. This album came out one or two years before uh, Untitled. So, I mean, this came before yeah. it. But the dude just fucking recycled it for Easy Target. Which is yeah. why we probably forget about it, because Easy Target's a better song. Yeah. So that's why we just yeah, kind of forget so, this one exists. So I just did a quick look up just to see, 
and I just looked up like Tom DeLonge back pain, and he slipped his disc in his back in 2001. Um, and right when he started part of it writing this fucking yeah. record, yeah. So so yeah, he canceled part of a UK tour, and then he went on. Then he got surgery before uh, the Pop Disaster tour in '02. Oh shit! So yeah, this is in the midst of his fucking his addiction and everything. I mean, this is yeah. I think you're. Like I think right you're fucking spot on. Then I never thought of that before. I think you're fucking dead on with the subject matter, which does make yeah. it sad. You're you're right. The other thing that makes it, dude, like I didn't think about it until today. Like because I know he had all that back pain and like with the pills and stuff. I didn't realize how young he was. He was only 25 or 26 when he fucked up his back. Like he, yeah. Like. Even though I didn't think he was old, I thought he was still like at least in his like thirties when he did that. Like he's fucking younger than I am now. Like when he did fucking yeah, did that. Like that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it's the craziest thing. Like I, I, I hate doing it, but I, I find myself doing it a lot. And like in comparison with Blink and Tom and Mark and stuff like that, is that like when you know when they're doing the uh, like in Eureka Chronicles when they're doing the introductions and they're like, Oh, I'm Tom along. I play guitar. Mark, Mark, I play bass. And I'm looking at them and they're like, they're all in their like mid twenties, like early mid twenties. And I'm like, man, when I was in like my early mid twenties, like, like I was still like, a, you know, working at a retail store, like scanning boxes and like bagging people's shit. And I'm like, man, like what was I doing with my life? And then like, you know, by his late twenties, he was doing angels and airwaves and I'm like, God damn, like what am wow. I doing in my late twenties? And I'm just like, God damn it. And like, I hate doing that, but I do it a lot with him. I think just because like outside of my family, he was like that first big inspirational, like uh celebrity figure of sorts oh, yeah. that I looked up to. So like, not that I want to compare my life to his cause that's impossible to do. But once in a while I'm like, man, like my favorite person was doing great things like at this X age and when I was that age or whatever, like I was like a piece of shit or something. <laughs> I know I've been guilty of, of doing that. And I mean, I, I totally get it with Tom too. The other thing though, is as I'm with you is I I've been guilty of doing that, but then you have to take a step back and realize how unfair that is to yourself because more, more people were doing what you were doing than being in blink One Eighty Two. Like when you start thinking about it, you're like, what was the average like 27 year old doing? And it wasn't having a hit fucking song on the radio and being no, no, like, of course not, of course not. You know, but but like that's the thing is like it's hard to remind yourself that. But I totally get where you're where you're coming from with that, including with Tom because he was so much. You forget how much younger he was than Mark, because Mark yeah. at least was like by take off your pants and jacket. I think Mark was about thirty when that came out because he's twenty seven. Mm-hmm. When Enema, they were doing like Enema and stuff. So he's like 27, 28 around Enema. So he's like 30 by like take off your pants and jacket and would have been like yeah. mid 30s by the time they broke up. Whereas, yeah, Tom was still like late fucking 20s when they broke up. And I think Travis, yeah. too. I think Travis is closer to Tom's age. He is, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and fucking once again, happy birthday, motherfucker. Fucking yeah, Thomas, right. Thomas DeLong. But, uh, he's, I he's mean, fucking exposing aliens and shit. Like he's gonna be forty five and he's exposing aliens and shit and like I'm not gonna I'm not forty five yet but when I get to forty five I'll probably be like damn it he was a, he was a, he was showing people aliens and like now I'm old and I mean I envy him gray. because like that's the thing is he's truly getting somewhere with the aliens thing where like I truly think we're gonna get to a point where this motherfucker's legacy like 
not only was he a, a humongous like inspiration in music and was in one of the biggest punk and pop punk bands of all time, he's going to end up being this guy who like fucking has these huge advancements and like AI and like fucking alien life and like all this different shit that like, I, th- I think he's really actually going to play a huge role culturally that yeah. we don't realize. And yet there are still going to be people that only see him as that naked dude running around and they're not going <laughs> to like it. But that's the funniest thing to me. It's like the guy, the guy who made jokes about having sex with his own dad is also going to be the guy who like brings yeah. us to the yeah. next frontier in fucking yeah. like space exploration. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. That's range, though. That's a true, like, that's that's what I've always said, though, about, like, him and, like, Blink and all that. Like, my favorite artist can tell, can write a song uh, just all about dick jokes, but then can also write a song that when you're, when you are down and you're at your lowest or your saddest, you can listen to it and put it on and feel great again. Like, they can do all yeah. these things where they can write relatable songs, they can write serious songs, but they can also just write when you fucked grandpa, like that's why the replacements are one of my favorites. They're another one who can write one of the most serious ballads you've ever heard, but then they can write a song called Gary's got a boner. Like they can do both yeah. those things and on the same record, you know? And I, I truly think that's one of the things that make Tom and blink and just that whole thing, you know, just so fucking great. But, uh, I mean, anything yeah. else on this song or, I mean, should we, should we uh, keep on? All right. All right, we can keep on keeping on. I mean, this is the last song on the album with words. Yeah. With words. Yeah, on. Technically, I, yeah. Actually, yeah. How do you feel about this? Because in my eyes, this is the album. Like, in my eyes, this is the last song. I'm, I call this the last song yeah. on the record. Yeah, no, and that makes you know plenty of sense. Like, sometimes I forget that the instrumental is still a thing. Um, but, yeah, this is another one of those, like, okay, yes, Mark's on the song, and it's a good song. Like it's clearly like if you don't know, but like I feel like most people do. It's clearly about nine eleven and kind of like different perspectives of what's going on from like a point like you know on the ground to whatever. But like it's it's essentially a blink song. It's they appease Mark. They put him on a song. He probably so he'd quit cutting their well, fucking phone lines. Yeah, like. I don't know, like, yeah, please don't cut my phone line right now. Um, yeah, no, like, it's a good song. I really like it. Um, I feel like it's also, like, almost like a uh, – it's kind of autobiographical about, like, kind of, like, where the relationship was at that time. I mean, Boxcar Racer um, was nine eleven for Blink-182. Oh, absolutely. It kind of the song about nine eleven, like Boxcar Racer, was nine eleven for fucking Blink One Eighty Two and Mark and Tom's relationship. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I like we said before, it's the best and worst thing that happened to Blink. And it's like this is like I don't know what this is in that story, but like I feel like it's just like either they did it to appease Mark or maybe the labels like, Hey, put Mark on a song. I feel like it was more them from a personal point only because it's so well documented, the turmoil that this caused, like, it's not even like rumors. Like there's long things from Mark going, this, just this hurt my feelings. 
this really bothered me. Like, this isn't a hidden thing. Oh, like, yeah. he's publicly no, like, not at all. this has fucked me up. Like, this fucked me up. It hurt my feelings insanely. They went out and did this without me. Like, it's it's Blink-182. Which really, how do you not feel that way? It is Blink-182 without yeah, you. It, without one guy. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's, and it, you know, it, I find this, like, not funny, but, like, I use the word funny a lot like this. But, like, yeah, like, I can totally see why he'd be upset. Like, you know, especially, like, you know, they're in between albums. You know, Mark is probably, you know, happy with his family. He's demoing, probably working on some songs, you know, scratch ideas. You know, really getting, you know, trying to build, you know, some shit for this next album. And then Tom goes and does something completely different, essentially from what it sounds like. There's many different rumors about it but it sounds like he kind of just did it behind mark's back without him knowing and and then once finally mark caught wind of it through apparent emails like and having it sound like that tom was going to do a solo project yeah and this and that and like i would be pissed too and it's funny that it said it's like oh it's blink without one guy well how do people look at blink now (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's not blink unless it's not blink unless Tom's there. Like <laughs> that's like, me. Yes, <laughs> you just described yeah, me. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. It like you can say that, but also like it's still three. It's two of the three members. Like it's still Mark and Travis. Like two. It's the whole the rhythm section. Majority. It's the fucking rhythm it's, section it's of the, the band. Majority. Still intact. It's yeah, the, it's the majority of the band. You know, and so like. I get why people have that argument, but also like, you know, perfect example, box for racer. It's not blink. You know, there's plenty of songs on here that you can say, these are definitely not songs that blink could have done. Or if they did, it would have to be in a different era yeah. of blink. But this was in an era that that blink didn't exist yet. Well, something interesting. And I know you said this kind of, like you said, right. This kind of sounds like a blink song to you. Like it could oh, be yeah. a blink I mean, song. It is just because, they have Mark in it. Like it's, I mean, it's, that's all there really is to it. It's just, it's a boxcar racer song with Mark Hoppus, which is essentially is a blink song. Well, here's the funny thing though, because when I listen to it and this is just my thought on it, the funny thing to me is of all the songs on this album that sound like a blink 182 song, I don't think it sounds that much like a blink song. Like for this to be the one to have Mark on, I think there were much more predictable choices. Like, to be honest, having Mark sing on, like, Tiny Voices or All Systems Go or fucking, like, we were talking about, like, with Sorrow and stuff, like, uh, there's a couple songs on here where, like, it would have been the more obvious choice. Yeah. I don't think this was the obvious choice. No, and that's why I said, like, you know, like, Mark is on this song, but he would fit better elsewhere. Yeah, and it's not a blinkish song to me. Like that's what's funny and, about and, it. It's, it doesn't sound. The, it sounds like Blink because it is it is Mark, Tom, and Travis with yeah. fucking David Kennedy playing guitar uh, as well. Yeah. But like it to me doesn't sound like like even though it's a Blink song, I don't know where that would be in Blink's career. Like I don't hear that. Like I don't think it would fit oh, in anywhere. That's literally the main note that I have. Is I, the main note is it's a Blink song, but it's not. It doesn't fit on Toy Page or Untitled. I, on an album of nine eleven songs, it would fit on like I, like I don't fucking know where this song would go. You know what? You know where the song would go? It would go on that uh, band band list. Oh shit! You're right. Goddamn, dude. 
Dude, we were. How funny is that? We were talking last time. How stay together for the kids? Like this is too much like it. What about the song that's this literally about it? <laughs> like, yeah, this, like, this song's literally like, about nine eleven. This song does not fit in the Blink repertoire, even though it's essentially a Blink song. But that's the other thing: and, is subject matter. Like they never touched that yeah. kind of stuff. And even later on, even though when they got mature, it's like it's not like they. Sing, I mean, not not like most bands sing about nine eleven, but you know what I mean. It's just not a subject or a thing that you really heard them sing about or write about at all you know yeah yeah and like you know like you know the subject matter is you know like it's about one person's point of view of them coming out of a building while it's others watching this person come down but again like i feel like in some way it is about their relationship as quote-unquote friends at this time oh i think you're right about that and even like the even like the kind of the not corny, but I call it corny just because of the subject matter, how they both alternate the whole, let's forget this all move on. Something that they couldn't actually do sadly. And that's why blink when two broke up. Exactly. And that's, that's essentially this song is like, I don't know the, I don't know. It's like boxcar racer was the nuke, but this song was the explosion. Yes. Yes. That's a great fucking example. Or a great fucking yeah. analogy. Yeah, it's like Boxcar Razor was the, the the thing that carried this t- turmoil, and whatever it took to set it off, this was it. Because even if the lyrics aren't like hidden, and it's just a straight forward like nine eleven song, there's so much in there that you can unpack that it's like, man, if it's a if it, if it is a hidden meaning, this is what it is, and. They hate each other at this point. Those are and those are the last words you hear you hear on the record. I mean, since the last one's an instrumental, mm-hmm. the last ones are them yeah. going back and forth. Let's forget this, all move on. Like that's fucking like that's the last thing you hear. Which you're right, whether or not that was intentional. Which I don't know. The way that Mark did with no, it isn't being pretty like you know what that's about. I guess I could see Tom going that way, where it's like he knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like maybe there was that double kind of thing there that double meaning and you know tom knew and mark probably knew it as well but it's like Mm -hmm. i i don't i guess i wouldn't be that surprised to find out that was intentional because it is funny either way even if it was just a coincidence the fact of what this album did to their career because and we talked about this i think on the top five blink 22 songs but it's like the pros and cons of it yes it broke them up but untitled wouldn't have happened which also makes you think, no. what would the band have been? Would we have just gone take off your pants and jacket part two? Like, would they have I, continued just writing pop punk records like, like straightforward pop punk records like that? Because that eventually would have imploded, right? Or could they? Um, would they have been a Green Day where take off your pants jacket's big, but they kind of continue down this road, and it's like they're not. It's not that they're that they don't do well, but they you know they keep kind of selling a little less and a little less each time. And it's like, you know, eventually, you know, you might jump back from it like Green Day did, you know, like American Aid stuff. But it's like other times you may just fall into obscurity. Like, oh, yeah, that band that had Enema of the State was really big 20 years ago. And now they're playing like fucking dive bars. Like now they come to your town and they might pull in 800 people. They play the the the, the like the country jamboree and like the founders. Yes, thing. yes. They put, actually, though. <laughs> I think they might play that now anyways. I, I did see Blink-22 <laughs> with Skiba. This is post-Tom, but I know they had a Las Vegas residency a year or two ago. Oh, yeah. That's not a good sign. 
they pulled a lot of money though from that. You know what? There is good money in it, but so's like cruise ship and all that kind of stuff. There is good money in it. Don't get me wrong, but it's like I don't know. It's a it's very tough. This is a whole different episode. Like I know there's a whole different monster. I've seen. Listen, I go to shows and casinos and county fairs. I do partake in those. All I'm saying is, I think we all know normally it's not the indicator that you're on the up and up. You don't you don't oh, no, go no. up that way. You come back down yeah. that way. Oh, oh, for sure. Like how many times? Uh, I'm I'm making a joke. Like how many times has Eve Six or Lit <laughs> been on the the country jamboree? Uh, Kane County Fair. <laughs> like, yeah, but but uh, really, that is <laughs> you were a band who had some radio hits, X amount, and I lo- and actually, honestly, I love Eve Six, but they're a good example of that. They they, they had a yeah, couple yeah. good, they're not good songs. They have tons of good songs, but they had a couple big radio hits, and yeah. you know, never really replicated it. And eventually, that's where that goes to. Like, you go to this place, people know a few songs of yours, and you play like the casino state fair kind of circuit. Now, cruise ships kind yeah. of in there, like those kinds of things. And again, it's yeah. not even really it's a roundabout way. Yes, I guess I am shitting on it, but at the same time, I partake in those. It's not like I'm against going and seeing bands that way, and I'm also not against artists doing it. You do what you do to make money. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. You know. But it but it is. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing is all I'm saying to see Blink-182 do a fucking Vegas residency. It's a little it's shit like that that I go I don't think they'd be doing if Tom was still in the band. That those are things like that where I go yeah. I think things would be different if it was still yeah. Mark, Tom, and Travis. Think, so they're so becoming a be legacy. Different. I think Mark doesn't mind becoing a legacy band more than Tom did. That's kind of getting back to oh, what we were no, saying about living in the past. Tom doesn't want to be a legacy band. I don't think Mark has trouble going and playing a state fair and playing a greatest hit set. No, not at all. I, I think he's totally content with that, and that's fine. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Every, if every Blink show I saw from here on out was just like a greatest hits, you know, tour essentially, I probably would get bored of it eventually, but it would take me a while because yes, they are my favorite band of like all time. And so I, I'd be happy to see them whenever I could, but I can definitely see like, you know, it's like when your local band asks you to play, like they want, Hey, come to my show, come to my show. And they're like, damn, you're playing like, you're playing every weekend at the same like two places for three months. I'll catch you at one of them and I'm sure it'll be the same set. Yeah. Like just shit yeah, like that. And, yeah. But like, I would say this cause you kind of brought it up. I would say that if this record didn't exist and self-titled was still going to be the next record for blink, I would say there would be elements of, of, you know, heavier, darker blink. Um, because that's probably something that they would all want to do. I mean, obviously Tom wanted to do that anyway with boxcar. Mm. So he would want to try to implement that with, you know, new blink. And Mark was also experimenting with different stuff, stuff as well. So I think it'd still be a experimental blink record. They would, they it still would have matured. Not, like they still would have matured. Yeah. Out. Was, yeah that that is, just, that is maybe, true. It just maybe might not have been like, maybe, Maybe there is would have been on that record. Maybe yeah. written a little bit differently. Maybe, you know, Elevator might have been a song, maybe a little dated at that point, but maybe there was that, you know, hidden meaning of something else besides, you know, because Boxcar Racer doesn't exist. So maybe there's something else there. Yeah. Maybe a different dynamic. So I definitely think it would be something. I just don't know 
how obviously we won't know how it would have turned out, but I think they would have so, so gone in that direction, but maybe some boxcar songs would have just been blink, like new blink songs that would have sounded way different. What you have me thinking is an alternate universe where, cause eventually like that, that's what I get out of this reading the shit leading up to this. This band was created in the wake of the success of Blink-182 with Enema of the State and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, I think Tom wanted to do something different that was darker and a little different. He also put it one way. I, I read one thing, and I kind of liked it. He's like, you you have all these different pain, all, all these different colors on a canvas that make up something. Yes. But Blink-182 was like one color or something. Like, he, yeah. like I'm butchering mm-hmm. it, but like... Blink-22 was was one-dimensional kind of compared to, like, he has other sides to him. Like, yes, he is that guy from Blink, but he also has other things that he wants to do, which you now see, I mean, even as a businessman and stuff, like, outside of just music. But I think with Boxcar Racer, had he taken the songs that on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket that he thought were too dark and too heavy were going towards Boxcar Racer, had he instead figured out a way to work those into the next blink record. Like you were saying, like they're going more mature and stuff. It would be interesting to see where they go because songs like there is probably would exist. And they, and a lot of songs that were on boxcar racer probably would exist in different ways. Like you would hear yeah. a song like cat, like thief. You'd hear it. If Mark sang on it and had his, you know, like that's the other thing is you would have, you would basically have these songs with Mark's take on them and probably a more naturally because it's Mark and Tom, a more there's probably more like hook you know a lot more important on the hooks and catchiness mm-hmm. and a little more pop punk to it you know probably a lot more of those chord progressions because that's the other thing very different chord progressions in boxcar than what he does in blink like very yeah he does a lot of half, half step down like he'll go from the root note to the seventh he'll do like a lot of that he'll do a lot of different shit that even kind of sounds dissonant like it's funny like oh, if, yeah. if you pick apart some of the guitar like riffs and you play them outside of the song, you just play it by yourself isolated, sometimes you don't think you're playing it right because you're like, is that it? And you're like, you put it all together, but it fucking works. That's literally how I felt when I was like, just kind of earing out, like even like the verse, like the verse is fairly simple, but like I was, as I was playing, I'm like, I feel like I'm way off. Yeah, dude, they sound, dude, even the, you know what's one of them? The fucking chorus to I Feel So, it's not hard. It's not a it's not a difficult and it's just kind of descending, but if you just play it by yourself without the music on, it doesn't sound right. It has this very dissonant, it's uneasy, it's not it's not what you would think would be the fucking chords to a chorus like at all. Yeah. You know. So I mean, I and, and to his credit, I mean, amazing shit. But it does. It just it begs the question just because there's so much of it's interesting and I mean, I I guess this is with anything but like you need to take off your pants and jacket to happen for boxcar racer to happen. You needed boxcar racer to happen for untitled to happen. And then yeah. you needed really untitled to happen for, uh, you know, like Ava and plus 44, like the direction that they both eventually went, all of these things really do like play a huge role. Like these are yeah. not just record. Like these are like boxcar racer is more important to blinks career than a lot of blinks old own albums are. Like I would say, yeah, Boxcar Racer. Just this record had a bigger impact on the band than like Cheshire Cat did. Like shit like that. Yeah, when you so. start thinking, like it's like this one had a much bigger lasting effect in the sense of 
where they went, where they were as musicians. Even they say it became a competition on Untitled. Like, this really stepped up their fucking songwriting game. Like, there was a lot Mm -hmm. of, like, I'm going to write this song. Well, fuck you. I'm going to go write this song. Like, which we got great. I mean, the results of that were fucking amazing. And it's Mm -hmm. one of those things you only get one time. I don't think they could ever rewrite that record. But I also don't think that record could happen, you know, with uh, yeah. without Boxcar Racer. But I do, like, let me ask you, you know, and and really, I mean, do you have much else to say about Elevator? Um, nothing really much to say on Elevator. Um, I would say we can either bring this particular thing up now. Or we can just go on to, if you want to talk about instrumental. I do, I do for have just like, one second okay. I want to talk about instrumental. Yeah. same, same. I got like two things. There's nothing really too important about it, but there is this weird little tidbit that I actually texted you about the other day that I, I was interested in wanting to bring up, but that was dependent on if we wanted to talk about instrumental for a little bit. Well, we can, we can, uh, we can fucking get into it. Like what I was going to say, what I wanted to ask you if you had anything else about Elevator 2 is, Elevator, I love the strings at the end. And like I've been saying the whole time, like I like that it's not what they were doing the rest of the time where like they do the dynamics. It, there's this big heavy part. doesn't happen in Elevator. It's very – No. It's the same vibe the whole time. I love the strings going out. And I yeah, think – Yeah, it's like a cello or something. Yeah, it's fucking beautiful. And it's like I really think the album should just end there with those strings. It should just – Yeah. It should end there. I don't hate instrumental – like, it's just one of those things where this doesn't really need to exist. And the other thing is there's not enough going on in it for, I think, it to warrant to be anything. I feel like it was a song that wasn't supposed – I truly feel like they wrote a song, they had no words to it, and they just left it on there. But it's yeah. just musically there's not enough there to be anything. I don't think so, it needs to be there. Yeah, so basically, like, instrumental is just like – what we've been talking about for a, a good portion of this is just the, the formula of a boxcar racer song. This is that just without a bridge. Yeah, dude, the dynamic you're, you're 100% right. That's all it sounds like, like soft verses, hard chorus. Yeah. And then, and then it kind of just trans, it goes back and forth and then it just kind of ends. So, yeah. Like uh, the only things I will say about this is that that little piano in the beginning like that little like it's it's almost like a toy piano. It reminds me of like, Ava. This song yeah, could be I will use. say this song could be an Ava song and I think it's part of because of that toy piano. It sounds very yeah. Ava-y. It's it's in an Ava song. Yeah, you're right. I have heard it in fucking it's, uh an early one, right? Uh, like off one of like the yeah, first it, record. It's, it's off it's off of um, we don't need to whisper. I think it's uh start the machine. I think you're right. I think you're right, dude. I I, I do. I, I think you're you have that one. I haven't listened to that fucking album in a long time. I need to go back and listen to it. Yeah, that's like, a good I'm, night drive I'm, record. Like like that. that and I that love night either. drive records. And that's like a good fucking driving around at night. That's a good fucking one. It's honestly, it's either uh, a nighttime or for me, I'll watch it. Like I'll listen to it like when the sun's coming up. If I'm driving to the city. Ooh, that's yeah, that's a good one too. Like either early morning or really late at night. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the piano intro to start the machine. Okay, that yep, that does that, that, that does same, make sense. Is that same type of like scary like toy piano sound? <laughs> it um, is. It's haunting. 
Yeah. And the only other thing I'll add to this is that this song was like what I call my introduction to trying to write lyrics. Cause I would try to write <laughs> lyrics to this song. Couldn't do it. I had some stuff like in old notebook, but nothing that ever actually worked. So really? That would, yeah. That's fucking cool. That was, mm-hmm. this, that was the only other thing. I mean, the other, the other thing I will say for one, as much shit as I'm talking, this was my ringtone at one point because it was a fun. It's a good ringtone because it slowly builds up. So all of a sudden, you hear that toy piano in your pocket get louder and louder. But um, yeah. <laughs> all I could think about about this song was, like I said, I could do with or without it. How would you feel though? This is what I was thinking. It may not sound bad at the beginning. I almost feel like if this was before I feel so, and you and somehow and inco- here's the thing. You would have to do like what we were talking about earlier with incorporating the outro into the intro. You would have to work it a bit. But I actually think this song would be better as a quick intro that somehow transitioned better into I Feel So. But I think you would take out the piano of I Feel So and it would go just it would be I Feel So just going right to that acoustic guitar. You know, you know, like just take that out. I almost feel like it would fit better there, though, with a little modification this song might have a better life as the opener because yeah. it's a, it's a taste of what to come. Cause like you said, it's kind of a, it's basically a boxcar racer song without the bridge. It's everything they do. Yeah. So like, I feel like in the beginning of the album, I would be okay with that. Cause it's like a taste of things to come. It's a teaser. Like I don't, I think it would fit better there at the end of the album. It honestly feels like they just threw it on. Like we just have this song and it's, and it's just on here. Like we don't know where to put this. But we're not going to throw it away. Yeah, I can totally see that. Where I just yeah, I, I don't, I, ele- elevator should just end. String those strings are yeah. beautiful. It should just end after that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's weird because like now we're like now that we're just like at the end of the record at this point, and like all in all, like I love this record. Like I said, it's one of those records I can listen to in any mood. Yeah. Um. Couple, there's a couple songs that I'm like iffy on. Uh, instrumental like ends the record when you're right. Elevator probably should end it with those strings. I guess it was it's 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 nice little throwback for me. Just thinking like me trying to write songs. Yeah. But like I at that time I, I definitely couldn't write lyrics because I wanted to write like a boxcar racer song. I had no idea how to fucking do that. <laughs> so like I just failed miserably at trying to think of something like really dark and like angsty. But that's a good it, exercise I, though. I, oh yeah, like it I definitely like I definitely probably tried writing like maybe four or five songs just trying to diff- work out like different melodies and different things and like it never worked, but it definitely it helped for a little bit when I was trying to do it. Fuck yeah. No, I uh, that, it's interesting. That is, that's a cool... I've never tried doing something like that, but that would be neat to uh, try just to see what you get out of it. Like what your yeah. ideas are over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing, and it has really nothing to do with like anything major with this song, but I remember when I was trying to get into like, oh, maybe I'll like edit music or like maybe I'll be a producer or something. I took this... And I remember going into like a weird recording program and I ended up making like a, like a, a boxcar blank remix. And it was this, it was the instrumental and the, uh, instrumental, uh, it was a fallen interlude. Oh, hell um, yeah. Off the self title. 
and I layered them together and I was like cutting parts in and out and it actually sounded really fucking cool. Don't remember what ended up happening with it, probably on an old computer or something, an old hard drive. But I did do that and I felt very confident that like, hey, maybe I can do something with like music editing and like this and that. Like that was like the only thing I ever did with it. Yeah, it was kind of cool because it had that like that, you know, that scary piano. And I think I had, if I remember, I had that looping for a while. And then you hear like the do, 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 do. Fuck yeah, dude. And it was something, it sounded really cool. Like, I'm sure if I look back at it now, maybe it wasn't as cool as I thought. But like, I remember. I know, it sounds cool in my head. Me thinking about it sounds cool. Yeah. Like, I. Yeah, it was. Fallen Interlude 2 is a good example of like that's a better example of like an instrumental like that I feel like has a better placement than fucking instrumental does on Boxcar Racer like they got that much better on Untitled like I feel like that's more in place than uh, instrumental is on fucking Boxcar Racer they got that a little better but I mean overall fucking classic record I love this one. Um, I mean, really, I mean, as we're closing up here, we're, we're, this is another one. We're fucking at like hour four now. But I just want to bring up, I, I, would, I would be an asshole not to bring this up as we're closing. But Boxcar Racer in 2020. Obviously, this is the perfect record. For years, Tom, like I said, I've read certain things where Tom went, I did everything I need to do with the project. It's That was it. That was my vision. And it was done after one record. But later era Tom DeLong, as he liked to do, building up angels and airwaves. He still likes to tease boxcar racer from time to time. I don't know if he'll ever do it. I don't know if that's ever a thing, but what is your view? Do you at this point in time, would you ever want another boxcar racer album? I I would say absolutely not. This is do not touch this. Never write another one. This was a time and place. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so like, I'm torn, but I'm more on the side of don't fucking do it. The only reason why I would want to hear a new boxcar is just just like an inkling of like, what would you do now that doesn't sound like AVA, but gives me a boxcar racer feel with new Tom? I don't think it could be done, but I would at least like, you know what? Send me one song and you don't even have to say like, maybe boxcar racer song like in like the in like the the file name just just send me a song that you would be like hey this is a boxcar racer song without any like title to it and just i want to vibe and just see if new tom can capture that again i don't think he could no but it would be interesting to see what he would try to do and like i I would like like i'm not shitting on even vocal wise like his vocal delivery he couldn't because I even think about like like because the other question is would you at least like to see them lot like reunite and play some live shows? But if I'm being honest, I mean if they did it, don't get me wrong, I probably would buy a fucking ticket and go see it. It's the same thing. If they released an album, I'd obviously listen to it. It's not like I wouldn't yeah. check this out. But like even live, I'm like he's n- tiny voices. He couldn't like we're talking about the magic of like that. Everybody will be let down. Like the way. He just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Nothing against him. This yeah, is twenty yeah, years yeah, later, he man. He it's like he's just a different guy. His voice you change yeah, your voice changes, and I just don't think it would be captured the same way. I think it would end yeah, up being. Yeah. I hate to say it, it might end up being sadder than you think. 
I don't want to say that, mm-hmm. but it may end up being more sad than cool. Yeah. Not yeah. shitting on him. It's not like I don't want to no, hear him make new music. It's just this thing in particular it, it, was a time and place and a youthful thing that, like, that was him at 25, 26. That's, that was him 20 years ago. And like we talked about, in the midst of a fucking addiction and stuff, too. I don't think he had any yeah. kids at that point. He may have been married. Uh, like, uh, life was life is different now. Like, it's just, I just don't see it being a good thing. I think this was a, you did it. It was cool. The people who got to see them live, that's a special thing. Like, that was yeah. fucking cool. But I think it should just be left the way it is. I don't think it's something mm-hmm. that needs to be revisited by any means. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, like, it, like I said, I'm more on the side of, like, don't fucking touch the name, like. It's too sacred. Stay, yeah, it, like I said, though, it would be fun just to hear one attempt, just, just throw one out there just to see, but that's the most I would ask can, for. Can I say something to that, though, My and I would agree with you, my only thing with that is they kind of did that with Letters to God Part Two? Not that it, not that they said it was supposed to be new boxcar racer, but it is a continuation no, but, of a boxcar racer song. Well, well, even oh, even just boxcar racer in itself, or Angels and Airwaves in it of itself, is technically a. Uh, it is a continuation. A continuation. And Tom has yeah. Tom has said that, but like that's kind of my thing. I'm like, let it be that then. Let that be. Yeah. Let it be what it is. And that it is it is rooted in boxcar. Like I'd rather that that you know what this is rooted in something that that me and David did fucking back in the day, and it started and it did it started their musical relationship. Like it started mm-hmm. there, it rooted you know it planted the seeds for that. So it definitely serves its purpose. But yeah, I would much rather them just never touch it again. Let's let's leave this. I never got to see him live. That's okay. Like it's just one of those. And again. Ava live if they want to throw one or if they want to throw watch the world in I think that'd be cool a couple of these songs live it's cool keep playing them just cover them but it's like I just don't I don't think it's a thing that that needs to be done the only way I think it would work if uh, boxcar racer came back and Matt Skiba took over it was boxcar racer <laughs> with Matt Skiba <laughs> there we go I mean I mean come on man how great would that be? I think. I think Tom might fucking Tom might take a vendetta fucking go murder Matt Skiba if he fucking takes over a second band. <laughs> fucking not not again Skiba, not again. But I mean man, this is yeah. fucking fun. I mean, I feel like we've been inside and outside of this record. We've we've been inside of it. It's fucking I mean, is there anything else? I mean, th- th- this far in, I mean, any closing remarks? Anything else to say about this record? I mean, it's a great fucking record. That's about all, I, all else I can say about it. I love this record, and I'm happy we got to talk about it for four hours. Yeah. <laughs> right. Again, <laughs> long, long, long discussion. I'll say this, and this is one of these, like, this is what I was kind of saying about, like, I can get into this one thing real quick, or if you want to go instrumental. Um, and this could be something that doesn't even have to be put in. So you can take this out if you want. We'll leave it in. But you were, you were talking about right when we, right before we got into instrumental, like, you know, like toy patch had to be made for a box car, box car obviously helped in making the self title and stuff like that. Um, 
And then after that, they split and did their own thing. If I'm not counting Angels and Airwaves in this just because they were like a completely different band stylistically in every way, shape, or form. But one of the things I was looking at just to see when I was telling you, I think yesterday or two days ago, like, oh, yeah, like, Boxer Racer. Like, oh, I'm going to listen to Plus 44 now, you know? Mm-hmm. I just, just out of pure curiosity, I was on Spotify uh, fucking plus 44 has about 30, 000, and it's not a huge gap, but like have about 30, 40,000 more average listeners a month than Boxcar Racer. Really? Yeah. That's really just, surprising. So plus 44 has shown. 450, uh, sorry, 415,000 listeners a month on average. Holy shit. That's Box more than I would have thought. Boxcar Racers at 374,000. Wow. That's fucking, because the thing is, and I and no, no slight on Plus 44, I love when your heart stops beating, but I feel like that one had less, like, I don't think I ever heard a radio station play fucking when your heart stops, like, Nothing off that. Like, I still feel like Boxcar Racer commercially, even though it wasn't huge, I still think I've probably heard Boxcar Racer songs more places, but it's just fucking surprising, you know? Because, like, that's the thing. It's plus 44, obviously, has Mark and Travis in it, but I just think this far in, I mean, When Your Heart Stops Beating is how old now? I mean, that's 12, 13 years old. At this point, I would honestly think more eyes are on the Boxcar Racer record. Oh, same. And I, I, I just was looking at it, and I'm, again, this is like, you know, there's years in between these two records, but they're the first, like, solo records of, you know, Mark. Obviously, Travis is in it, but it's Mark's baby. But really, and when you Mark, think about it, dude, only, like, five years. Like, the gap yeah, in between, but, not that much. But, like, I, I guess, I mean, I don't know when Spotify was made, so like as far as like these songs and the, the plays go oh yeah, like, yeah when i was looking it up but still it almost doesn't make sense in a way just because of the popularity uh the song when your heart stops beating has 36 million plays on spotify holy shit there is <laughs> has 26 million i'm actually surprised at both those numbers and, and i feel so 15 million Shit. So it's doubling. When Your Heart Stops Beating, the song is doubling I Feel So in plays and has 10 million more plays than there is. That is really surprising. And you know what? Those are good analytics, though, because that's modern day. Like, that's current. Like, that's a current trend of of like that gives you a good idea of where they stand now. Like, that's pretty. That's as recent as you can get. And it's it. It kind of blows my mind because I would picture the same thing that Boxcar Racer and this album had way more of an impact than Plus 44. The only thing I can think of, and because Plus 44 and Angels and Airwaves were out at the same time, is that I think more people, as far as sound goes, were looking more for a Blink style band out of the out of like the the the, the split up 
band. Yeah. Oh yeah. Obviously, obviously, AVA is going to attract different people because it's a completely different sound. So, like, I get why that has way more higher statistics than both of these bands like combined. But I would assume Boxcar Racer would have had more of a cultural impact just due to the the, the when it came out, the lyrical content, just the vibe and everything. And no, not to plus forty four. Like I, I still jam that album relatively frequently, not as much as uh, Boxcar Racer, but I would feel like I feel so. And there is where big enough hits within the genre itself, even if you're not talking about radio play, if you're talking about just you know, you're gonna hear there is, and I feel so played more often at like an emo night at like a bar than you would when your heart stops beating. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right about that. And again, no knock to plus forty four, but I'm just surprised. I yeah, guess. it's just surprising. I mean, that it is. It's yeah. just surprising. Like plus forty four are great, but yeah, I'm I'm like truly surprised by that as well. Yeah, but I mean, um, I mean fuck that that is crazy. Yeah, it's just that was like the one random thing I wanted to bring up because it was so mind blowing to me that I felt like it had to be shocking to someone else. <laughs> Yeah, it fucking shocks me. I'm I'm very surprised by those numbers. Yeah. But fuck, man. I mean, this, <laughs> this is the record. This is fucking, I mean, wh- what do we say here? I mean, it's been fucking great. This is another one that's definitely going to be a two-parter because a, a fucking <laughs> audition is not going to let this uh, be uploaded in, in one audio file. But uh, <laughs> fucking I'm great. I'm sorry. No, oh, dude, it's not your fucking fault. This is this is the good shit. So, I mean, people listening to this, I mean, thank you. Thank you for getting this far. The only thing you do now is go listen to fucking the Boxcar Racer record, right? That's that's what you do now. Yeah. And never and... hear all the shit we were saying. Go listen. Yeah. Sounds like Tim Armstrong's having a stroke. You can hear fucking Mark Hoppus harmonize where he's not there. But the one thing you won't hear, and this is what we'll leave him with, the one thing you won't hear, no matter how hard you look, is Jordan Pundick's vocals. It's one thing you'll never find. Okay, I thought we were going to go two different ways on that. <laughs> oh, please let me know. Where, well, wait, do you think fine. Yellow Wolf... We haven't mentioned Yellow Wolf yet. Did you think I was yeah, going there? That was my joke. <laughs> I beat you to it, motherfucker. Well, the second part of that was like, I thought you were either going to say Yellow Wolf or you're going to say another thing you're not going to hear on this record or on this uh, podcast is uh, our, our third person, Zach Borchetsky. <laughs> oh, that's actually here. That's a good here. I did want to say this earlier because once again, I, I, I feel bad and we're going to get him on here very soon. The three of us will do like a top five, but I did tell him he was going to be on this and then I didn't tell him he was not going to be on it. So I kind of feel like a dick. But I did want to say earlier, uh, our buddy Zach did just re-release uh, an EP that he put out five years ago. His band Kickstart, and they did like a fifth, a five-year anniversary EP. There's a couple like bonus songs on there and shit. But uh, go check him out since he couldn't be on here with us. Uh, Kickstart.bandcamp.com. Go check that out. I'm sure he'd appreciate it. They're kind of like doing that right now. So I would like to plug that because I'm sure if he was on here, he would uh, say. And what am I saying? He is on here. You just can't hear him. He's he's yeah, low exactly. in the mix. He's slowing the fucking mix. But uh, fuck yeah, man. I mean, is, is that good? Are we good? Yeah, I'm, I'm cool. Well, fucking um, thank you, folks, for fucking listening to this. Uh, listen to Boxcar Racer. And uh, even though I think this second part won't be released on Tom's birthday, 
still, happy birthday, Tom DeLong. And happy uh, birthday, Tom DeLong. You're 45. We don't look a day past 80. <laughs> you, you, you fucking, you beautiful motherfucker. Thank you for the songs and for making jokes about sodomizing dogs cool. Thanks. Thanks for that. That is the episode. <laughs>